and a warm welcome. You're joining us here at Hyde Park on Other Therana 24 tonight. Um, what would have otherwise been an election night for us here at Other Therana? Uh, the Election Commission um, deems that the 25th of April is the most suitable date for elections. However, we thought of talking about the aspirations of the young politicians in Sri Lanka, the youth aspirations of each political parties. We've uh, managed to invite members of the UNP, the SLPP, the SJB, as well as the um, JJB. We uh, extended an invitation to the SLFP too. However, they were unable to nominate a young political representative to join us tonight. Uh, let me introduce our panelists tonight. Rehan Jayavikrama, Vice Chairman of the SJ uh, Samagi Janabalavegya Youth. A very warm welcome to you. Thank you. And we have with us Chaturanga Abhisinger, Executive Committee Member of the JJB. Warm welcome to you. And Milinda Rajapaksa, Executive Committee Member of the SLPP Youth. Thank a warm you. welcome. Dinu Kolambage, UNP Working Committee Member. A warm welcome to you. Thanks. Um, as I said, this would have been an election 9th, 9th of uh, March 2023, the local government elections. However, due to um, various reasons, the elections were not held. And here we are talking to you tonight. I'd like to ask all of you, let's keep your political affiliations aside. What are your aspirations for Sri Lanka going forward from crisis to growth? I'd like to start off with Rehan. Uh, first of all, thank you for having us on this show. Um, I think the aspirations are quite simple, really. Uh, while we realize that there is a need uh, for the IMF uh, package to be successfully delivered to Sri Lanka. We also believe in the people's sovereignty or the people's right to vote, something that is enshrined to them by the constitution of this country. Um, so there are lots of people who say that we as the opposition, just because we want elections, that we are against the IMF program. No. What we want is for both of these things to happen concurrently. And if you look at the fact that even though the IMF will give us money, uh, we need very strict and stringent fiscal policy going ahead. And I believe that has to come from a mandated government. Now, how that mandate is selected and how that mandate should be applied, I don't think rests within any of us here. I think it's clearly mentioned in the Constitution. So the government needs to pay attention to the fact that the IMF is not the only thing we read right now, that we also need elections, which is constitution, like earlier you said that this election night. Now that has been postponed till the 25th, I believe. So elections and all other things related to the economy have to happen concurrently. That's what I believe in. Chaturanga? Uh, the aspirations for the youth is basically a new country. I think what we had all these years has failed us. Our few, uh, old generation has failed. They have failed us and we can't fail our next generation. So we are looking forward for a new political culture as youth. I think everybody is now aware what politics means and what politics should be and also at the same time with the crisis we know that the country never reached its full potential so we need to move into a economy that creates wealth it creates production that can win the world so we have to be part of the in integral part of the global economy so the aspirations for youth is quite simple we need a new political culture that's also underpinned by a good uh, fairness in law. 
and also a prosperous country that we need to change the economic policies we have followed so far and move into a, a new era of Sri Lanka. Actually, it's a new country after last, uh, last year's ninth. People have changed. People are ready to fight. People have realized the power of the people uh, beyond even executive presidency. Um, so I think uh, the aspirations for youth, uh, youth is very clear and youth is willing to fight for it. Mirinda? My aspirations uh, in the very has not changed with the politics or the current situations. It has been always uh, realizing anyone's dream, any young person, any child's dream, regardless where they are coming from, regardless their ethnicity, regardless their race, regardless their religion, regardless their sexuality. So you can achieve the dreams you have. That is the aspiration I always had. And I also think this country, uh, it's a fantastic nation. Uh, for over the decades, it has delivered many things. My, my father was uh, a farmer. My mother was a, a very simple government worker. But uh, this country has given me free education, free health, subsidized uh, transport system to uh, university education to everything else. Uh, because of that, I have been able to achieve certain dreams I had. But I don't know whether I can achieve my dreams with full potential. You know, that is where the challenge is. So this country has passed many of us. But this, to a certain extent, we are a massive middle class now. We are a, 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 a massive a younger generation with education, with political conscience, uh, with active citizenship. Because of that, our inspirations have also grown up. So it's, it's an ever-evolving uh, uh, inspirations this generation has. In order to cater that, the system, the, 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 when I say the system, to education, to health, to economy, everything needs to be recalibrated. So I think that is where we are. Uh, that's what, the new, as new politicians, as a new generation, this recalibration has to be done now with the support of many other stakeholders. Okay. And that is where we are. I think that is the role the young politicians should play at this very moment. Right. Dinuk? Um, I think the aspirations have always been the same. I think the crisis that we're in right now in the country have accentuated those aspirations. When you look at the current situation now, we are facing the worst economic crisis post-independent Sri Lanka. But we as a youth need to look back and realize how we came to this position. And learn from those mistakes and put ourselves on a path that's going forward. We should have very simply three tasks right now ahead of us as the youth. Uh, we have to ensure that there's some stability in the country. We have to ensure there's recovery. And then we have to ensure there's growth. Growth on a path that is sustainable. We don't want to just stabilize the situation and then have everything go back to the way it was you know, two years ago. Because we were, we've been going down this path for the last 20, 30 years. It's, and it, it came to a head. It was always going to come to this situation. Uh, why it happened last year, you know, I mean, that's obviously up for debate. But we have reached that point. So I think our aspirations have to be, how can we make sure that what happened last year and what's happening right now in the country doesn't happen again? So, and that means that we have to look back to look forward. Uh, faces we have tonight are potentially um, 
faces we will see in Parliament in the future. So what do you think we will do different? Your leadership, I'd like to turn to Rehan here. You mentioned about the International Monetary Fund EFF program. Uh, you mentioned that why uh, the IMF is necessary, but at the same time, uh, how reforms should be brought about. But your party leadership talks about why we should not go to the IMF, that your party leader is not bound to adhering to any decisions or agreements uh, entered into by the current um, administration. So how do you think uh, we ensure policy consistency in a country where we require urgent reforms and at the same time consensus among political parties to ensure that policies continue? I think that that particular statement made by the opposition leader um, in elaboration was made, uh, Mr. Harsha De Silva uh, elaborated on that speech that was made and um, he, what he said was that what the opposition leader meant by that statement was that we are not duty bound by the agreements uh, that have been placed on this government. What we basically said was that if the SJB government, and I think Harsha said this in detail, if SJB, SJB government comes into place, um, that we will be negotiating on terms that will be more beneficial for this country. And honestly, I don't think that there is any harm saying that, uh, because as a political party, we are also looking at the best deal that's good for the country. And when you look at the fact that the IMF uh, draft agreement has not even been tabled in Parliament as of yet. Uh, now, President Vikramasinghe said that it's going to be tabled after the initial staff level agreement is reached, not the staff level agreement, the Mewansi's agreement is reached, that they will be presenting it to Parliament. So, but I think we were talking about was more on the lines of transparency. I think it was not in the, uh, you know, uh, viewpoint that we don't need the IMF. Now, if you look at the fact that we have had multiple discussions at the opposition leader's office with members of the IMF almost every single time they came to Sri Lanka. And we as opposition party have told the IMF and requested the IMF to help out the country. We have also offered the expertise, even though we are in the opposition, to the Committee of Public Finance, we, have, we had nominated Mr. Harshadi Silva. So those are all steps that traditional opposition parties have not taken, where we have to pull Sri Lanka out of this crisis. We have said that we can't really agree with all the policy decisions that this government makes, but for anything productive that we will offer the service of our members. And I think as an opposition party, we have done that constructively. Uh, Dinuk, you might have something to add to this. I'd like to ask you, uh, the International Monetary Fund uh, staff level agreement, and there is concern and questions yet from the opposition why the staff level agreement was not tabled in parliament. But at the same time, what are these reforms that I, I, is your party leadership and the executive of the country looking at these seriously that uh, the opposition and other parties are raising concerns about uh, potentially harmful agreements entered into with the IMF? Look, <clears throat> I don't think there's any harmful uh, conditions that have been entered into the IMF agreement. We have continually in parliament requested that the opposition come forth, join us and work together to solve this situation. Uh, we have there been on several occasions where opposition MPs have been brought and briefed on what the process is, what the progress is in terms of the discussions. Uh, and as uh, it was mentioned uh, by the President in Parliament today, that the report, the IMF agreement will be tabled in Parliament. And then of course it is up to the Parliament to decide. If they're not agreeable to it, 
Then they need to stand up and say, no, we don't agree to this. We want these conditions removed. They need to take responsibility for that. Uh, right now, they are, there's a lot of stories going around about the IMF agreement without anyone in the opposition seeing it. We have given them the opportunities, and we are going to table it in Parliament, and then obviously there will be the debate for it. And Parliament, who obviously reigns supreme over public finance, will have their say on the day. Uh, Melinda, you seem to be in agreement with Dinok. Is this uh, the consensus that is uh, shown among the two parties in Parliament as well? It's, it's more than a political consensus, Indivari. Uh, SLPP has been always very clear about our political ideology. We are the biggest social democratic political party in this country. We have very clearly laid out what is our uh, social development program, what is our social welfare program, what is our economic program, what is the priority we are, have been given, or what the level of priority we want to give to the national security. That has been always very clear, and we have never compromised on those values and those pillars which we laid out during our first political campaign or the political manifesto which we built. Even to date, we are standing up to those pol that political manifesto which we presented to people, and that is the mandate which people gave us to be implemented. And even to date, we think the political mandate which was given by us from a democratic election is valid even to date until otherwise there is an election. That is why SLPP is very clear. Even today, we could have had the election. But SJV was just saying we need a legitimate government. Yeah, that is why we are saying any time you can have an election. You can see who has the legitimacy, who doesn't have the legitimacy. SLPP is willing to face that election. That is why we have been very clearly saying we need the election. And SLPP, even before that being SLFP, we have been always holding uh, elections on time. So even at this very moment, we are saying election should be held on time, number one. Number two, today we are in a place, even in my opening remarks, I told this very clearly. We are in a place where the reforms needs to be done more than anything else. And Ranil Vikramasinghe, being a very uh, experienced politician, have taken up the responsibility of making a lot of unpopular decisions, uh, doing these reforms, whether uh, certain small groups like it or not. And he has also given uh, the leadership uh, to the parliament and the cabinet to make these reforms. So now it is our responsibility looking at the situation of the country, in what level we are going to support these reforms. Now, this is where SLPP is very careful about. Mm -hmm. Now, while we are believing in these reforms needs to be done, and this must be supported, which we are all way out to do that. Same time, being a bigger social democratic party, we have to ensure the social welfare of the needy people. And that is something we have been continuously discussing with not only with the President uh, uh, Ranil Vikramasinghe, but with the World Bank, with the IMF, with other bilateral and uh, multilateral donors and stakeholders. SLPP as a government, now as a party, we have always discussed and negotiated the welfare of the uh, a bigger uh, portion of the society. So if that can be matched, which President has also promised, which even very clearly we can see with uh, uh, most of the uh, 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 disclosed IMF uh, 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 conditions, 
that has been taken seriously. So we will support that program in that level. And if there is something which we can't agree, no matter what, if that doesn't align with the political ideology or the, uh, the, the political manifesto which we presented, then that, that is the time we can discuss that in the parliament, we can discuss that in the cabinet, we can discuss that in the group meeting, we can discuss that uh, uh, with the uh, president. There are many ways to solve that question, many ways to solve that problem. So let's, 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 let's take this in a more democratic way, that is our approach uh, from the very beginning. Let's look at this uh, uh, in a very positive manner too. Uh, I'd like to turn to Chaturanga now. Your, w what is really the JJB's basic economic policy at this stage? Uh, you all have been more left-leaning and at the same time uh, there are questions about how you're going to channel the wealth of free markets into a more um, equitable and uh, 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 social justice and equity towards that. So how, how does your party view this situation? So we, we have been very clear on our economic policy. So we live in a free world and also free market, a global trade. Um, so what we have been telling is that the country should have a national plan for production, right? So whether it's services or products, every country in the world has decided these are the competitive advantages and this is what we have done. And the government has to play a significant role in uplifting those uh, industries. And we have been very clear in the recent policy explanation. We are working and we are fighting for economic democracy. So that means the private businesses or the entrepreneurs will do the business and the government will support that. Right? The government's role is an active support, not a passive support. What has happened to our country is the private businesses in different industries have tried to reach the world but they never got the required support or the legal framework or the investments or the technology or even the education that supports that um, reform. So we are very clear, we need to go forward from here. So the, the, there will be a national plan agreed with the industry and the government will support that. We've been very clear to say that from a state perspective, state will have a higher control in the financial and the energy sector everything else we need to do what's right for that particular industry. So uh, for us the policy is very clear, it's a democratic process, economic democracy and also a, tar a target driven uh, oriented economic plan that can take us from where we are to the future. Um, so in, in terms of the uh, economic policy we have been, uh, we have presented it, we have told the business community and also the country how we are going to do it. So there are a few pillars uh, into it. One is the national plan that we would do, then underpinned by a human resource plan, that's the human capital, and an efficient government service and a um, transparent government service, and also the international trade. So how do you bring, bring a bigger part of the globe and become an integral part of the global economy? So with those four pillars, we have presented our economic policy to go forward with. Uh, your parties, uh, you, you mentioned about uh, power and energy, essential services in the country, but what of the state-owned enterprise restructuring effort? This is a key <coughs> reform process that uh, President yeah. Ranil Vikramasinghe has initiated. So, so how does your party's policy so we, fall we in line? So we agree that all the SOEs in the country, uh, most of them are inefficient and all needs to be restructured. So when you say restructure, there are various ways of restructuring. Privatization is one portion of it. So we, we, we need to take 
one by one and provide what's required that restructure. It can be a human resource restructure, it can be a financial restructure, it can be a strategic direction, directions restructure, or it can be an investment restructure. So we, we are very clear on the changes that we need to do to the SOEs, but the purpose has to be served. So some of the SOEs are there to improve competition in the market. Some of the SOEs are there to improve the benefits to the people. Some SOEs are there to SOEs are there when there is no private investment who is willing to take up. So for us, our current policy is that we need to restructure everything to make it better and efficient. But from a holding perspective, that means the control perspective, we have been very clear the financial sector and the energy sector, the government should have a higher control on the uh, those two sectors. Everything else we are open to discuss. And Rehan, uh, uh, in terms of uh, state-owned enterprise restructuring, or let's talk about privatization, what is your party's uh, vision here and uh, how different are your ideologies to the United National Party because you're, you broke away from the UNP very recently, but very similar ideologies here. But particularly we are interested to know how you differ in terms of uh, privatization. I think we have made it clear that loss-making enterprises like Sri Lankan Airlines, for example, uh, need to go into privatization. Um, Kabir Hashim, who was very instrumental in getting that sorted out along with Iran Vikranathna, is also part of the Estrebi's economic troika. So much like what uh, Chaturanga also elaborated on, uh, we have to look at all these things on an individual basis. Without looking at all these enterprises on an individual basis, we can't say that we are going to privatize everything fully. For example, if you look at um, Sevenagala Sugar, uh, which is making billions uh, of rupees as returns, um, we feel that enterprises such as that um, should not be privatized fully, but should rest uh, with the state. So like I said, I think it all depends on an individual basis. And those are all things I think that's clearly mentioned in our economic blueprint. Um, for anyone who's watching, our economic blueprint is available on the SJB official website. And I encourage those that really want to know in depth about what our economic policy is to look at that because I think it's a very in-depth uh, report. Uh, but, but I'm told that it's time for us to take a short commercial break here at Hyde Park. We'll return shortly. Welcome back. You're joining us here at Hyde Park on Other Terrain 24, and we've invited representatives of the youth uh, representing political parties in uh, Parliament. Um, I'd like to turn to Rehan again. We were talking about uh, state-owned enterprise restructuring, but at the same time, what economic policy here in terms of uh, taxes? We know that um, Harsh de, de Silva, Dr. Harsh de Silva, as well as Iran Vikramaratna have been quite vocal about taxes and economic policies. However, you don't seem to have a, a, a solution in terms of uh, the current economic crisis and a way out, especially when tax reforms are a prerequisite for the International Monetary Fund deal. So I'm only going to go by what's included in our economic blueprint. Um, so the reason that everyone probably thinks that we're against all these uh, tax raises, but what we're against is unfair tax raises. Or if you look at the way that certain businesses are being taxed, 
certain individual categories are being taxed. Uh, certain people with lower income brackets also being taxed quite heavily. Uh, people who earn more than 100,000 rupees being taxed unfairly. So what we basically talk about is a more progressive tax reform. Um, and, and how do you propose we address these reforms and go about the, it? The thing is, I am a politician that believes that I usually there are areas that I talk about which I'm very good at. There are areas which I avoid talking about because I think a sign of a good leader is to surround himself with people that do know economics. And fortunately or unfortunately, I'm not an economics expert. Um, but I think everything that I think in the way you asked is included in an economic blueprint. Mm -hmm. I have read it. There are certain aspects of economics that I don't understand. So I think <laughs> that I shouldn't answer about things that I don't know about. You come from a corporate background. But at the same time, I'd like to um, uh, talk to Chaturanga about anti-corruption allegations. We, uh, we realized that uh, the anti-corruption campaign did not really reap the expectations of the public. But how do you, how do you think going forward we can really uh, tackle the, the question of corruption? Again, IMF talks about this yeah. uh, in such a way where this does not benefit individual parties but as a collective to overcome and eradicate, eliminate corruption in the country. So there's a huge uh, awareness and agreement among all the Sri Lankans that this is a corrupt country. I think we can't ignore it anymore or we can't deny it, right? So the, the most of the state funds has been misappropriated and used, uh, used uh, or robbed. That is why we are in this bankruptcy also. So when you take to the implementation of the law, what we have seen is the institutes which are supposed to implement this has been politicalized and also there has been undue political pressure on the process that it needs to take from an investigation to court to an ending a case in a court, right? So what we have seen is it's the leadership that this country, I think across the globe, when when corruption is discussed, it happens in two ways. Corruption happens because of power, as well as corruption is ended also because of power. So as a party, we believe if we have the right political power for a non-corrupt party who does not, who has zero tolerance for corruption, they can ensure these institutes which are supposed to do this job are done in independently and also facilitate with additional laws that can ensure the things get fast-tracked also and internationally where the uh, assets are stolen and hidden we need to take the global support also to bring these things to light because in the we have not seen any politician going into courts or going behind bars for corruption we haven't seen uh, any single uh, 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 the government servant who's uh, who is part of this corruption going into behind bars. We haven't seen a top-level businessman who is part of this cartel going behind bars. So there's a problem to this. So that is why we believe if there's a significant change in political power to, uh, to a team who has zero tolerance, tolerance in corruption can end this because we have enough laws also. But do you think your party has the maturity to tackle the, uh, the, the grave economic uh, fundamentals and the crisis situation that we are faced uh, with? Yeah, so the, the crisis is created, you know, so we can't first 
agree that the people who created the crisis over the last two, two decades is going to fix the crisis with the same reforms, right? Now, what we have been very clear is at the, at the inception, now last six months to now, we have to do few basic things that has to start from the top. So the, the, the country or the people need to be given confidence that the leaders are willing to work. Leaders are willing to cut their costs. The government, uh, government expenditure can be cut down further. The, the tax reforms are coming for, for the people. But there is no change that is happening in the governance. And also, we have not seen any support to the industry over the last six months. And even the industries which, do, which we had, like even the egg industry, is now going away and we are trying to import. So we are very clear. We do have a plan. We have given that plan uh, publicly. And we are working with various industries what to do uh, next in the short term and the long term. So therefore, we are very confident with the people's uh, mandate and a citizen's participation and are driven by the private uh, sector for various industries that we should take Sri Lanka to um, next level. Firstly, we have to end corruption because if you, it's not that ending corruption won't change the country. You are right. But without ending corruption in this political culture, we won't go anywhere else. I'd like to turn to Melinda here. Uh, the, the Sri Lanka Podujana Peramuna um, has been contrast to the liberal political ideologies pushed by the United National Party. But you seem to be aligning well with uh, uh, the UNP's political policies, economic policies. At the same time, how about the tax revisions and the question of tackling corruption? What is your view here? There are two parts to your question. Number one is whether we are political, the ideology-wise, or the ideologically, whether we are aligning with uh, the president or the president's political party. <coughs> if you really look at the political landscape in Sri Lanka now, I see, for a large extent, there is a strategic clearance. We are, we are strategically clear when it comes to, now we were talking about political reforms. Everyone agrees that political reforms are needed. And at this very moment, we even in this discussion, we talked about SOE reforms. We all are in the same page when it comes to SOE reforms. Then we talk about taxes. More or less, we all are in the same page in tax reforms. I think even Dinuk might be in 99% uh, of Dinuk's friends, Dinuk's meeting, must be complaining to him saying, Brother, what are you doing? And we can't pay this <laughs> amount of taxes. I mean, I mean, we all are suffering from the same same situation. So strategically, I think even the corruption, even the corruption, we 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 all are in a very clear, uh, uh, very clear understanding where the legal reforms are needed, where the uh, legislative should take necessary actions for to tackle the uh, corruptions, whether done by politicians, or done by the government officials, or done by the private sector, or any other uh, uh, stakeholders of the country. But what is important here to understand is that politically, even though we are having different ideologies, NPP must be having a different ideology, SJB might be having a different ideology uh, politically, historically. But at this very moment, when it comes to reforms, when it comes to the changes needed by the country or what people are expecting from the politicians or the political parties, 
I think more or less everyone is in the same page. So that is one reason why even though SLPP is not probably uh, 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 not the exactly the government, but we are supporting the government and the cabinet and the president most of the times. That is because we all think these reforms are needed and these reforms must be done by someone somehow. And, and the political ideology wise, there is no need for us to align with UNP, OSJB, ONPP to support what is right. I don't think JVP was never in align with uh, Mahindra Rajapaksha when they supported Mahindra Rajapaksha to be the president. I don't think uh, uh, JVP was in alignment with uh, Maitri Palasirisena's political uh, ideology when they supported Yahapana government. I don't think we have to be in any political ideological alignment with uh, uh, President uh, Ranil Vikramasinghe to support his reforms which are needed for the country. So I think I think that is that is the situation that is the that is the answer for your first question and the second question about the tax reform, mm -hmm. which is the uh, the probably the most popular topic at the moment to discuss. Well, uh, one thing I have been telling always, I had a free education, I had a free healthcare uh, access, I paid only forty rupees per month to travel by CTB bus from school to home, home to school. Someone else had paid for that either some taxpayer in Colombo or World Bank or some loan provider to Sri Lanka. So we have been having this wonderful life for a long time, maintaining this massive government, maintaining this massive welfare system without actually trying to feed the maintenance of this system in a sustainable way. That is why we are in the crisis today. You know, so, so now how are we going to come out of this crisis? Two ways. Number one, you need a long-term strategy. Everyone is presenting long-term strategy. But SJBO and PPO, anyone is presenting at the moment is, uh, I don't think anything is new. This is the same discussion this country has been having from 1950s. But now we all know we need a long-term strategy. Same time, it is a dying patient. You need saline, you need the oxygen lifeline. So that is why the president has to make or president had to make some unpopular decisions including this tax reforms. So yes, it's unfair. It's unfair of few people who are paying taxes and everyone else is enjoying it. Even though as uh, 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 he, he rightly said, uh, even the people who are earning more than 100,000 are paying taxes. Still, it is only 2.6 million people of the country. Rest are enjoying that uh, tax benefit. So yes, it is unfair for 10% uh, of the people of the country, but but we have to come out of this this, this uh, crisis immediately. Then yes, let's see which long-term strategy is going to work. Yes, uh, the the situation is dire. There are others who we do not talk about. Those who do not fall into this tax bracket. But uh, your party um, ideology, economic policy, is that. Uh, you invigorate growth with lower taxes. But in today's case, it's different. Of course, the IMF prerequisite again, we're talking about the IMF. But where does this money go? We talk about higher taxes. There are protests against these taxes. There should be a return for the people at large. Or at least there should be welfare for those uh, who are hard hit. 
Look, I mean, the UNP is not a party, as you rightly said. We, I mean, no party, I think, likes to throw taxes on anyone. Uh, unfortunately, in the last couple of times we've been in government, I mean, in this case, obviously, it's the president's office, we have inherited an economic crisis. Back in 2015, we had this issue, and this time also, obviously, we have the economic crisis, which means that we need to take the bit of medicine. Um, as of last year, only 450,000 ta income tax files were open in the country. We, as Melinda rightly said, you know, I mean, we have been a country that for decades we've had subsidized uh, fuel prices, subsidized electricity, free healthcare, free education. I mean, nowhere in the world are we going to get this much for free. But we have to somehow um, finance it. And on top of that, we got SOEs. I mean, I was reading a report the other day where we still can't actually say exactly how many SOEs are in the country in total. But there's an estimated 4 trillion rupees were lost last year by the SOEs. And at the end of the day, the government has to foot that bill and keep those organizations going, which means that either we can go and <coughs> cut uh, employment, which, I mean, we do have a public sector that is bloated, and so we have to find a way of reducing it without burdening those people. But either we can take you know, the extremely unpopular decision and just slash public, the public sector by 50%, where, of course, then our revenue requirement is a lot less, because I think it's something like uh, 60 to 70% of tax revenue is going towards uh, paying the salaries of the public servant. Or we have to, in the short term, we need to bring in these high taxes and allow us the breathing space to bring in the lo more long-term reforms, which are, of course, for the SOE sector. I mean, we tried this in 2015. We brought it up to a certain point, but unfortunately, uh, differences between the then president and the, and the UNP government meant that things got stuck and were back there. Now, of course, because of the crisis, we're fairly confident that we can finalize these reforms, liberalize the SOEs, and reduce the burden on the public. At the end of the day, it is the public who is financing these SOEs, which are accounting for you know, one point something million uh, public servants. So we have to look at, OK, as you rightly said, where is this money in the taxes going? Let's, fi let's you know, identify that. And then let's take the, some more hard decisions. I mean, the UNP, we're, we're the, facing a local government election. The last thing we want to be is a party that introduced taxes during a, an election time. Everybody else has always looked to cut taxes or cut uh, living, uh, reduce li uh, cost of living. Unfortunately, we're in a situation where we have to be responsible now, which means that we have to raise the taxes so that, you know, not that we win this local government election, but that so that next 25 years, we'll actually see a growing economy. Mm -hmm. We have to wrap up tonight, but I have a minute each for uh, all of you. Uh, I'd also like to add a question along with your closing remarks, Rehan, about anti-corruption. And uh, your leadership, your party has, talk, uh, has been talking about uh, the right to dissent and uh, regarding the ongoing protests as well. Um, so how do you look to take your message across um, across the country to the people while also understanding the situation that the country is faced with? The reason that a lot of people are protesting right now is because the executive is denying the people's right to vote. That is clearly evident. They are blaming it um, on the IMF. They are blaming it on the fact that the country does not have money. But then if you look at Argentina, for example, Argentina uh, owes the IMF over $44.5 billion. Um, they've gone to the IMF multiple times. 
the IMF have offered them a rollout of about 89 billion or 83 billion dollars as of now. India has gone to the IMF seven times since its independence, the last being in 1993. Pakistan has also been countless times, tried 22 times to go to the IMF. They recently, I think they, or they uh, secured or they are trying to secure a 1.3 billion rollout. All of these countries were bankrupt, but none of these countries postponed elections. So when you talk about protest, the only way to stop people protesting is if you give the people the right to express their dissenting viewpoints irrelevant of whatever economic rollout program that is going on in Sri Lanka right now. So that is key. The fact that the government is delaying elections, the, the fact that the finance secretary of the country is telling uh, the elections commission that there is no money. When if there is no money, then they should go to the Supreme Court and they should provide a, a, a balance or a balance sheet of how much the country has coming in, how much it's going to require for the elections, how much money they don't have. But even when you look at the SLPP, the SLPP, even though they say they want election, they still have not even gone to court saying that they require an election. The UMP definitely won't. The only two parties that have gone to court somewhat is the NPP and the SJB. And the SJB's petition is what recently paved the way for Supreme Court to say that these funds cannot be stopped. Mm -hmm. So unless the government figures out a way to hold the elections on time, uh, we really can't speak about protest and giving the people the right to protest because even the president of the country was elected due to a protest. Right. Uh, Chaturanga, just a minute for your closing remarks. Sure. So uh, we need to first understand what is the problem we are having now, right? Now, after the previous executive president's votes, sent out, people reject the current system. They wanted a new political leadership. They wanted a new political vision. That is hence why even SJB and NPP both said, let's go for a common government, common program, and then demarcate the general election. That was the best solution we had. What actually happened was, Ranil Vikramasinghe is ensuring the old regime is saved, and the SLPP will get some life for political to appear before people again. So this is the problem that does not fit into the current situation because IMF never said on the reforms. IMF said these are the areas that you need to improve the fiscal deficit, the right. monetary policy and the exchange rate. So they said the guideline. Mm -hmm. But then if you are to do these reforms, you need a people's mandate. You can't hide it behind the rug and say that we are saving the country and we are doing all these things without a mandate of the people. Now, right. even now, Ranil Vikramasinghe can go to, I mean, the parliament can be dissolved and say these are the reforms uh, UNP and SLPP is suggesting, this is what SJB is suggesting, this is NPP is suggesting. Right. So people should agree because mm -hmm. IMF also has to understand they should not go into the problem they had with Argentina. Mm -hmm. Because after they I, gave I, I this, think, uh, the, the government the changed. Likewise, um, so thank you, Chaturanga. Yeah. Uh, Melinda? Thank you very much, India and Dharana, for bringing young representatives from the political parties. Uh, <clears throat> one thing very important from the SLPP point of view is we have been always pro-election. Mm -hmm. We have been always pro-democracy. We have always allowed and listened to the people's mandate. And we have implemented the people's mandate. And probably we are the recent political party which had the biggest political mandate from people. And that political mandate was destroyed without constitutional uh, way of checking that. The constitution was violated. And uh, 
More than 700 houses were burned down. Uh, one legislator was killed on the road. And uh, 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 at the same time, we as a political party, even to date, very much for the holding the local council election or any other election, that is fine. And uh, we respect whatever the decision coming from the Supreme Court. And we will adhere to that. We will respect that. Uh, but most importantly, what we are looking at at the moment is not being a part of this power struggle, right. not being part of grabbing the power, but actually giving an opportunity for the legislative to put the country back into the right system. Thank you. Dinuk? Um, first off, I want to say that the UNP has absolutely no problem contesting an election. Remember, we're out. We're not in parliament. So we are waiting for an election to come back because at the end of the day, the 2020 general election, which unfortunately we lost, we only returned one seat, our entire manifesto spoke about wanting to go to the IMF. We predicted the economic crisis, and we laid out our framework of how we're going to avoid it, and if unable to avoid it, at least recover from it. That's the steps we're taking now, so we feel justified. What we said back then is now what is being taken up. So we have no problem with uh, holding any elections. We went, we filed our nominations. This matter, as far as uh, local government elections, is before the Supreme Court. Whatever decisions taken, we're more than happy. We, we have no problems with holding. However, it needs to be the people need to be reminded that when the president took over last year, mm -hmm. he said he's taking over only on one condition, and that is to stabilize the economy. So right now, that is our focus. Right. And as we said today also in parliament, he said stabilize the economy, and then we'll go for elections. Thank you very much uh, for your time here at Hyde Park. Uh, refreshing thoughts. Uh, uh, it, it was our decision to have young representatives of political parties to join us here at Hyde Park to talk about their aspirations for the country, the future leaders of our nation, and how we can maintain that discipline as a collective of political parties so that the 17th time with the IMF will be our last time. Thank you very much, Rehan Jayavikrama. Um, uh, SJB Youth Vice Chairman for... Thank you for having us. Uh, in Thanks. Thank you for your time. Chaturanga Abesinga, Executive Committee Member of the JJB. Thank you. Melinda uh, Rajapaksa, uh, Executive Committee Member of the uh, Sri Lanka Podujana Peramuna Youth. Thank you. Thank you. UNP Working Committee Member Dilu Kolumbage. Thank, Thank you lot. very much for your time. Thank you for joining us here at Hyde Park. I'll see you again next week at the same time with yet another edition of at Hyde Park on Other Than a 24. Have a pleasant evening. Good night.